Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to the Vineyard. We're glad you're with us. As we continue on in a series that we're doing called Being. And uh, this series is based on the Beatitudes. And really what it's all about is this. Just as a quick review. Uh, it's part of our mission. It's a sub-series on our mission, which is one more. One more lost child back to dad. One more to Jesus. One more in the kingdom. However you want to remember it, but we, we call that one more. That's what we do. And... Uh, the way that we do it is that we're a force, we're a frontline operation, reconciling, caring, and encouraging. And we've talked about uh, our radical message and radical hospitality and radical generosity. And these are the things that we, we do. It's how we do it. It's our method. The, the $1 car wash we're about to do next Saturday, that's, that's part of this radical generosity, reaching out to people and just doing things they don't expect. Uh, this series is about our motivation, why we do these things. And we've said that it's love, that the Christ's love compels us to do these things, that um, our motivation is about loving God and loving others, being in relationship with God and being in relationship with others. And that our culture has shifted over time to believe that life is found in uh, having, that they keep thinking that that's where they're going to find life, is in having things, and, and yet it doesn't work. And we know that the truth is that life is found in being. Having is about right circumstances, which never seem to line up. Being is about right attitudes, which is what Jesus fortunately gives for us in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, 3 through 12. And so that's what this series has been all about. And that's what we've been talking about. Before I hop into today's message, though, just a couple of uh, bad jokes for you, because I know that you're always, now you're worried that they weren't coming. Where are the bad jokes? What did Noah say as he was loading the animals on the ark? Now I heard everything. I had great hope for that one. <laughs> What's the difference between a night watchman and a butcher? One stays awake and the other weighs a stake. Thank you for your groans. I appreciate that. I got to start miking this crowd so the groans make it onto the video. <laughs> okay, I'm very excited about telling them three more times. Thank you. All right. So I've encouraged you to memorize uh, the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, 3 through uh, um, 10, um, to because uh, they're, they're an important part of our lives and how we move into life and that you should know them. And so they go something like this. I'll probably forget now that I've stepped away from my notes. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called the sons of God. And now we're up to the one that we're going to work on today. <clears throat> blessed are you, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, because, uh, no, blessed are those, I got this, who are persecuted because of righteousness. See, I was right. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, notice the first one, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we sort of go through this entire cycle. 
And now we're kind of back where we started. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so we've been, we've been talking about these Beatitudes, and we've sort of given them names. You know, Matthew 5.3, we said was the attitude of humility. Matthew 5.4, the attitude of reality. Matthew 5.5, the attitude of gentleness. Matthew 5.6, um, we, we called that the attitude of radical living. Matthew 5.7 was the attitude of radical hospitality. Matthew 5.8 was about the attitude of integrity. Uh, last week, Matthew 5.9, we called that the attitude of ambassadors. And what that looked like today, we're looking at this last one, Matthew 5, 10. And actually, 10, 11, and 12 all go together. Um, because it was such a shocking statement that Jesus had to repeat it to the people listening. Uh, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. I know that's how I always feel when that happens to me. <laughs> because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He's lumping us into some pretty good company. But, uh, but this is tough stuff. And, you know, I've told you that word blessed means happy. And it's, a lot of these things seem really kind of funny descriptions of what it looks like to be happy. And yet, as we've broken down each one, we've seen that this really is the way to have life. That these are the attitudes that we have to have in our lives to, to experience life. And so we're going to call this one the attitude of righteousness. The attitude of righteousness. And all the other ones kind of build into this one. All the other ones, and, and you have to go back all the time, especially that first one about humility. I think in my life I find myself running back to humility often because pride gets me in trouble, and then I realize I need to get back to humility once again and admit that, that I need help in life. But we, we move through these things, and it's about becoming his righteousness. That's the first thing. You've heard me say that if you've been here before, because we... Uh, have sort of adopted that as part of uh, our mission of one more, that it's about becoming his righteousness. And um, we tied that in in the a couple of series ago to 2 Corinthians 5.21, which says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And if you remember, I took that verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, and I said, well, that's how, that's how we're to remember that verse and becoming his righteousness. We're thankful for five things. We encourage two people so we can get one more lost child back to dad. 5, 2, 1. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And that, that's the, the bottom line of what we do and how we do it. Jesus came took our sin so that in him we could have life in God. It's about being in relationship with God and others. And through that, we become his righteousness. Now, what does it mean? Because I, I think people confuse righteousness sometimes with a religiosity that is not to be confused with. And uh, oftentimes people get self-righteous and call that righteous. And that's not what we're talking about either. Righteousness, and I've defined it this way before for you, but we'll do it again. It's being right with God and doing what is right. We're doing the next right thing. You've heard that before if you've been here. Being right with God, which happens in Christ. It's not, it's not about being perfect, uh, you know, in ourselves. It's, it's not about getting all, you know, following all the rules. 
It's not what I'm talking about. That's self-righteousness. It's about knowing that in Christ, we're right with God. And out of that relationship, living in such a way that we're trying to do the next right thing. You've heard me say that here over and over and over again. That's the bottom line. We're trying to do the next right thing. We mess up. We run back to God for forgiveness. I hope your picture of God is one, God who forgives you and then sends you out to do the next right thing. That's how all that ties together. Now, in becoming his righteousness, what needs to happen is we have to live this relationship out before the world. We've been talking about that. And, and uh, we do that by trying to, to live, by doing the next right thing, as I said. Knowing we're not perfect. Um, and, and in that, then knowing that we can't be running around pointing fingers at everybody, which is what I've told you the church has been doing for a long time. Uh, and it's got us in trouble. It caused us to lose our voice. People quit listening to us because we were just finger pointing and telling everybody how bad they were. And so they just tuned us out and they shoved us over into Sundays and said, don't get involved in our lives. We'll come and visit you if we want you. Other than that, we don't want to hear from you. And that, that we have to get back and love the world as his righteousness by being his righteousness in a way that they can respond to so that they can come to know God so that we have our voice back. Um, and so, but that reality that we need God then should help us to not run around in a self-righteous way, um, but to realize all the time that we need God's mercy and grace as much as anyone. And that, uh, uh, that, that allows us then to see people and treat people in a way that incorporates the beauty of their potential. So you're hearing now me work in a lot of terms that I've been working in for the last year about how we're supposed to live. That, that it's, it's becoming his righteousness isn't a self-righteousness. It's not becoming like the Pharisees. It's working this thing out uh, in Christ, knowing we're not perfect, but trying to do the next right thing, knowing we mess up and that we need grace and mercy and forgiveness. And because of that, we can, rather than label the world as sinners and beneath us, we can love them without labeling them, seeing the beauty of their potential, because we know how desperately we need God's grace and mercy. And that the only difference might be that we're in Christ, and that that's where they need to be, so they can start that out. And so this is what it means to become his righteousness. And yet here's the thing that Jesus talks about that's, that's why it gets three verses and he spends more time on this beatitude than the others. Even though we're, we're trying to live for God and we're trying to love God the best we can, we're trying to love others the best we can uh, and, and really become a source of blessing and encouragement to the world, uh, many people aren't going to like it. That's the bottom line. Even though our hearts, even if we really get this, and the things that we do, and when we go out and wash cars and bless people and do the, the stuff that we do, and, uh, still people are going to not like it. And it's, a, it's really a fascinating thing. And it hits us funny, because most of us <clears throat> really do want to be liked. Most of us kind of want people to like us. It's sort of part of the way that we are. Most of us, it, I mean, I'm... I think that's a true statement, right? You'd rather have people like you than not like you. And, and we sort of do what we can. And yet the reality of it all is some people just won't like you. They just won't. And it's, you could go crazy trying to make them like you and you never will. It's just part of the deal. Some people just won't like you. Some people don't like me. It's the way it goes. I, you know, I, I, I'd like them to, but I get it that for whatever reason, they, it just doesn't happen. And, and sometimes it might just be me. Other times it's for who I represent or whatever. But they, just, they just don't like me. And so we, we have to deal with um, 
this idea, and I think this is what Jesus is preparing us for, is that, that um, living for him, we're going to have to know how to handle rejection. Because we're going to get it. And ultimately, they're rejecting him, but, but it's... And I don't like rejection. I, I, I don't think anybody does. I don't, I, I, maybe some people... Anyway, most people, I know most of us, don't care for it at all. And yet Jesus, very real in this beatitude, he said, look, if you follow me, there's going to be a lot of people that won't care for you or it or what you're doing. And they'll just write you off as being stupid or uh, out of touch, old-fashioned. Give you all sorts of names. Um, but trust me, I've heard most of them. And uh, it's just the way it is. It's just, it just happens that way. So, uh, and like I said, this was so shocking to the people at the time that Jesus repeated it and expanded it. And that's why we had to look at 10, 11, and 12, all those verses. Uh, it's part of the deal. And, and, uh, and so this attitude is about how we respond to rejection. The other ones really are about our relationship with God. This one is more about how we respond to rejection in the world as we relate to others. Um, one quick note. Jesus isn't talking about uh, people that get put down for being obnoxious or self-righteous. Um, I, I think I made that point. But sometimes people set themselves up as martyrs, and they have this attitude that they present as, as sort of like, you know, turn or burn or fry or die or we're better than you are. And, and when those people are received negatively, they often want to claim that they're being persecuted. I, I just think they're being jerks. But that's my opinion. That was a little judgmental, wasn't it? Huh. And that's on the video, too. <laughs> well, I apologize for that, Lord. <laughs> I'll rephrase that before we get into tomorrow. <clears throat> uh, anyway. Um, so the thing is, how do we respond to persecution that comes from just trying to follow Jesus? That's what it's all about. How do you respond? And you'll experience it. You'll experience... I know in my, I've experienced it in my family. I experience it in, in you know, among... Uh, people that I've considered friends in, in, in the past and have tried to be friends with, I, I've experienced it in the community, in the neighborhoods, and I just, you know, it's part of the deal. Uh, uh, and, you know, I, I could give you lots of stories, I don't want to bother you, but, but you know, even in, uh, even in my own family, coming to Christ in a family that, that um, hadn't, um, you know, they, they used to mock us and tease us and sort of ridicule us and keep waiting for it to be over and it just never was, you know. And fortunately, over time, it was funny. The ones who were the hardest on us, they all ended up getting saved. <laughs> so I always kind of think people tell me, man, I got this person, and they're just, and I think, eh, the hardest ones are usually the ones that come into the kingdom. But nonetheless, um, what do we do when this happens, and how do we respond? And that's what we'll do the last few quick points. The, the thing that you have to do, point number two, is you always got to remember the source of the persecution. Remember the source. And we did a whole series about this. Ephesians 6.12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. But you have to remember that the person who's messing with you is not the real problem. And you have to remember the source. It's going to be very important because you have to make that transition from... Um, this, this person is attacking to me to this is a spiritual battle that I'm engaged in and and so I have to know and recognize it because my natural tendency when someone starts 
Messing with me is to mess with them back, right? Would you say that's true? Okay. And, and so the, the, we'll never stop it. We'll never get a hold of that if we don't first recognize the source and go, okay, there's a spiritual element to this that I have to recognize and be aware of right off the bat. Then what I have to be, this is the third thing, is I need to be proactive and not reactive. Romans 12, 21 says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, here's the thing. Once you start reacting, who's in control? The person who's trying to push your buttons, not you. So how can you be proactive? Matthew 5, says this, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's a proactive response. Now, how does that work? Well, when people put you down, what you need to do is you need to encourage them. You remember the source, and you encourage them. When people hassle you, just try and be nice to them. Um, don't retaliate. Because the moment that you retaliate, what happens is they're in control. This next little statement is worth the price of admission today, whatever that was. <laughs> you cannot control the things that happen to you. You cannot control the things that people say about you. You cannot control the events, the persecutions, or the hassles you'll get. But you can control how you choose to react and respond. That's a big deal. So this other stuff happens. Jesus said it's going to happen. He didn't say, oh, it might happen. This happens from living this thing out. And you, you, there's nothing you can do about it except control how you respond, which you're absolutely able to do. And, and so rather than retaliate, what you choose to do is love them and pray for them. That's what Jesus says in Matthew 5, just a little later on in the Beatitudes, in this whole Sermon on the Mount. What you need to do is love for people that you know, love them and pray for them. Now, I'm not saying you let them push you all around. I'm saying, because you, you can set up boundaries there, but if you recognize the source and people are messing with you, rather than retaliate, because then you're not in control, you, you, you have a measure of a response by being proactive, by deciding not to go after them, but instead to pray for them. And then, remember what I told you a couple of weeks ago? Always treat people the way you want to be treated. Doesn't matter how they're treating you. Always treat them the way you want to be treated. That's the golden rule, Matthew 7, 12. Always. Because he even said so in everything. It's a, it's a, so that's the deal. No matter how frustrated you get, no matter what happens, always treat people the way you want to be treated. And this is huge. Because, you know, do you know when you get frustrated, sometimes you don't treat people well? I know I don't. I really have to work on it. Did I ever tell you the story? I think I'll tell you. I'll move. I'm moving camera people, so catch me. Okay, so years ago, um, my mother-in-law, when my father-in-law passed away, my mother-in-law came to live with us, and, and uh, I had to start taking care of some of her financial stuff. And she had this bank that was messing with her and kept saying that there was a problem that there wasn't and charging her like $90. And I called this bank, and, and I tried to straighten it out, and it was very frustrating. <laughs> and and I, I, I apparently spoke loudly. <laughs> I don't remember. 
but but I was I was frustrated and I was I had this thing sometimes the old thought patterns kick in and I'm like don't mess with me I can go around and around the best of them so anyway I tried to resolve the problem and then it happened again same thing and I remember just being wild I called up and I, I said you know let me talk to a manager or something and the manager said oh somebody wrote right here that you're very difficult to deal with <laughs> now and I was you know I was a pastor and everything at the time this is what I do and I was like oh, see there was something that depersonalized the phone call and made me revert to old ways of just trying to get what I wanted instead of realizing that it's way better to work with people uh, and be kind and treat them the way you want to be treated even if you're frustrated and it was a big lesson to have someone tell me oh yeah it says here you're very difficult on the phone <laughs> I was really humbled I was like oh <laughs> well that's not a good way to be known someone's written it down <laughs> you know they Nowadays, that would go viral. You know what I mean? Ah. So, so the thing is, and so I always try and work on this now. I always try and remember. I'm not perfect at it, but I always try and, okay, I, whatever, no, especially when I get frustrated, I'm going to treat them the way I want to be treated. And I know how I want to be treated, like I matter, like I count. Like it, you know, I'm a person. And, and people are just not there to serve me. That's not their deal. Even if that's what they're working for, that's, it's, it's bigger than that. They're people. And God loves these people. And if we remember our Beatitudes, that's our inheritance. And how are we going to win those people if, if just because we're frustrated, we decide we're going to go all over the place on them? So we can't. And so it's this whole, this whole cycle of living. And it doesn't mean that things don't get resolved. I've, I've come to find out that being gentle is usually way better at getting matters resolved. It doesn't mean I can't have a point. It's how I present it. And I can stay with the point kindly, just as long as I can meanly. In fact, longer, because the people who don't usually give up on you. Uh, you know, and, and, and so, and you get, you know, you can push people's buttons, right? You know, everybody knows how to do it. We need to stop doing it. Uh, because that's not what we want. We don't want anybody pushing our buttons. Let's just take a breath. It's okay, let's start over, you know. And there's ways to do it. But that's how we have to be in life. See, we gotta, we got to take this thing differently and figure it out and, and learn to be proactive and not reactive in the whole situation. And so we, we choose. We choose to love people. And, and you start getting real frustrated. You choose to love them, treat them the way you want to be treated, and you say a little prayer for them. And for you. That's, you know, that's a good thing to do. You know, I, God, I feel like I'm about to be a jerk. Please help me. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if I speak now, it's not going to be nice. And it, but it makes a huge difference. And it, I told you that a year ago when we got tagged for the, pulling those plants out in the back, they, we're all here when I told you that story. And I got the certified letters in the mail and one in my house and one in the church. And I got furious that this county is small. Why don't you just call me and tell me I have a problem? And I got all self-righteous and indignant. I was going to call them up and just let them know how I felt. And I thought, no, I better wait till I'm not angry. And it took two weeks. <laughs> And then when I called, I just apologized, said, what do we need to do to fix it? I had opportunities to talk about the Bible with these guys. They were the best people I'd ever worked with. We resolved the situation. They gave me three extensions to resolve it. It was wonderful. It could have been horrible. If I just said what I was thinking, <laughs> we'd probably have been shut down. 
They didn't condemn the whole place. So, so, you, so you get it. See, there's the, we need to be proactive, not reactive, and and don't op, don't move out of your reaction because you lose. You're not in control. Not that we're in control of much, but you can control how you respond, and you want to respond the way God's wanting us to respond in the world, loving and praying for people. What's the payoff? Why would I do that? What's in it for me? That's what people ask. Matthew 5.12, Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. One of the things I like to say jokingly about being a Christian is that the, uh, the benefits and the rewards are out of this world. And they are. <laughs> we get some now. But the best is yet to come. And, and it's always worth it. I love this verse. Check this out. Romans 8, 17. See, this is an awesome verse. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Isn't that cool? So we deal with this stuff now. And part of this suffering is the rejection part that he faced. We're going to face it too. But as we deal with that, we also get a share in the glory of God when we're there in his glory. And that's good stuff. And see, that's what we're to remember as we go through it. It's always a bigger picture. We always, all these things in, this, in, in lear, learning to live in being instead of having, in, in attitude instead of circumstances, it's always to paint a bigger picture that it's not all about us. And yet, as we allow it to be about him, he takes care of us in ways we can't even imagine. And that's where we find life. So we struggle, struggle, struggle with the culture trying to find life. Can't find it. Life is found in being and, and just knowing that we can trust him and then living the way he's called us to live. And that is that beatitude. Next week, I'm going to tie it all together by talking about being the salt and the light of the world and what that looks like and what it means. So that's what we'll be up to next week. If you're watching by video, thanks for watching. And uh, we're, we're glad that you did. If you need anything, you can call us or write us or email us. We'll see what we can do for you. But we're going to shut down here with prayer. And uh, we'll call it a night that way. Please let me know upstairs that you shut the video down.